Uh, welcome to the Lost End Podcast. Uh, with us today, it's Ray Catania. I think I said that right this time. Yes, sir. Thank and, you. Uh, there's so many uh, titles. I think that we, we have this a lot where like, somebody comes on and it's like, I don't know how to appropriately title you, but I'm going to try because I didn't try the last couple times. Um, I would say uh, author is one. Uh, was it metaphysic- metaphysicist? Easy for me to say. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, life coach, maybe? Yep. Life coach yeah. is the best way to say that? Uh, Absolutely. NDE experiencer, mm-hmm. uh, medium. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what other titles need to go along with that that I'm not picking up on from my? Uh, if you ask my wife, there's probably ten others, but uh, you know, not so great. But no, those are great. Perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Eric. <laughs> Thanks for having me here today. <laughs> well, we keep stick with the uh, the uh, podcast appropriate titles, but <laughs> right, I understand that sentiment. Um, so yeah, before we get into uh, to, uh, the the meat of all the things, I guess it's you know step one's uh, we usually talk about the journey. Talk about mm-hmm. where you came from, like how you grew up and what those beliefs were. And then we get into like the things that changed those beliefs and made you who you are today. So could you tell us a little bit, little bit about how you grew up and like what that was like? And, um, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, just I'll let you, sure. let you run with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, the story, uh, well, the first book is called The Atheist in the Afterlife. So it kind of gives you an idea of how I, I grew up uh, rebelling against religion um, and choosing atheism. And I guess the, 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 the reason why was, uh, you know, um, my home wasn't exactly uh, like the Brady Bunch home when I was growing up. It was uh, filled with uh uh, drama, trauma, and, you know, arguing, fighting, and whatnot. So, you know, as a kid, um, single digits, five, six, seven, eight years old, um, I tried to isolate myself to kind of stay away from what was going on, if you will. And, uh, you know, I might find myself, um, you know, locked in a bedroom or a closet under the bed in the basement in the backyard. But wherever I was, you know, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have computers, we didn't have anything to really, you know, occupy our time with. So I'm more or less, I'm staring at a wall for five hours at a time, seven days a week and week after week after week. And, you know, um, if you go to uh, a retreat, like with uh, serious yogis, you, you go for a weekend and you go without speaking and, and you meditate for like six hours a day. And, and ultimately that's kind of like what I was doing, but I was doing it every day. And they, they tell you, you're eventually going to break through. You're going to break through. Well, I started seeing things like uh, what the wall was made out of. I could see the, the, the lines in the wall. I could see the energy in the wall. And I, and the more I was there and uh, not wanting to be there, the one thing I learned is the mind, uh, which let's, let's, um, say this right off the bat, the mind and the brain are not the same thing. The mind is emitted from the brain. Um, the mind is detachable from the body. So when you're in a traumatic situation and you really don't want to be there, um, you can actually, uh, leave the body and then return. So some of this stuff, um, you know, I didn't learn it because it was a good situation. I learned it because I was trying to escape the situation, but I did learn a lot about energy. I learned a lot about my mind and then, uh, I didn't understand what I was doing because I was very young. All I knew is I wanted to get the hell out of here, but, um, you know, that's the, that's how I kind of started to learn. And that was the beginning of my path. Now, I just thought everybody could do this. I didn't think that there's anything to this. I didn't think like I had learned something special. Um, and, you know, coming from 
a home of chaos. So chaos was my comfort zone. Uh, it's what I knew. It's what, what was comfortable to me. So when I got into my teens and I got in my twenties, um, if things weren't chaotic enough, I, I would make them that way, or I would look for them to a place where they would be that way so that I could feel comfortable because I couldn't navigate, uh, what somebody would call normal. I was, uh, when you were a child and you were, um, you know, staring at those walls, do you, I mean, any of the, I mean, I guess it was organic cause you were just kind of escaping things and, and the trauma of the home. Was yeah. there anything that, that you did then that was kind of meditative that like relates to anything that you learned later? Like oh, how yeah. you got into that state? Cause I'm, I'm curious, like how, you yeah. know, what you did then that like, maybe you found out later, like, oh, that's what I was doing. Yeah, that's so that's post NDE, right? So I have the I have this ability to see energy. And it was about the age of 20. Um, when I had my NDE, and I'm still living at home with my parents and my my bedrooms on the second floor. Uh, on the first floor directly beneath me is uh, the kitchen. And of course, the stove is in the kitchen. This stove runs on uh, natural gas. And what had happened was is the there was a gas leak and the gas was just floating up and it was going into my room while I was sleeping. So I'm just inhaling gas for hours and hours and hours. I don't realize it because I'm asleep and no one realizes it. it's the middle of the night. So I guess in the morning, my mother got up and she went to like turn the stove on or whatever. And there was this big ball of flames and the wall caught fire and the smoke. But uh, the way I understand the story, the fire was put out very quickly by my father with a fire extinguisher. Um, it wasn't the smoke and it wasn't the fire that got me. It was the gas. Everybody forgot about the gas. So when I heard the fire trucks and the police trucks and everybody downstairs, I wanted to know what was going on. It woke me up, of course. And I found like I could not move certain parts of my body. My legs felt like they weighed a thousand pounds. I couldn't get my head up off the pillow. It was, uh, it was, I knew something was very, very wrong. I just didn't know what it was yet. Um, cause you, 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 you don't smell gas if you've been inhaling it for a while. You, you have no idea, right? So I just, all I knew is there's a lot of noise downstairs. I can't move my legs. I can't move my head and I can't yell. So I try to pull myself to the edge of the bed. And as I get, you know, it's like inch by inch by inch. And finally I get to the edge and I tumbled out and I landed face first on the ground that I know I hit it and I felt myself hit the ground, but there was no pain at all. The second I hit the ground is the moment I was out of my body and I was above it and I was in a corner and I'm looking down on my lifeless body and I'm not scared because for some reason I feel very peaceful, very calm. Uh, colors are very vivid. Uh, sounds, everything is enhanced. All the senses are enhanced, right? And adjacent to me and on the other side, the other corner is a white light that's shining on the energetic me, not, not the dead body, the energetic me. And it is, um, God, it, it was euphoric. It was love and painlessness and, uh, beauty and, and, and just like all beautiful things. It, it was the euphoria was so intense. I, and I just wanted to go into the light. I mean, I was, I was drawn to it. I wanted to go into it. And there was a being at the end of the light that said, it's okay. You can come into the light. It's okay. Right. And 
I, I, I don't know if it was a guy or a woman, or it was just a, an energy being. I could not see much of anything. Um, but I started to go into the light because it felt great. And it's at this moment, as I start getting a little further and further in, and it feels better and better, my father comes rushing through the door. He kicks the door in and he scoops me up and he's yelling for the paramedics and he's distraught and he's crying and he's screaming, um, my son, my son, my son. And now, you know, like, uh, it, we didn't have a great relationship to say the least. And, uh, you know, here's this moment where I see him, um, hugging me and holding me and showing this compassion and love. And this was not, you know, his normal routine by any means. And, 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 you know, it kind of like, uh, I think it got to me and I felt, you know, the man hugged me maybe five times in my life. And one of them is when I'm dead. And I felt like if I could get back there that, you know, I might have that kind of relationship with him. Um, so I asked the being at the end of the light, if I could go back, I mean, I started negotiating. I said, you know, I can't leave him like that is what I said. I said it over and over. I can't leave him like that. So I made it about him. It was about me. Um, and so I woke up and I wasn't in that room anymore and he wasn't there anymore. I was on the living room floor and the paramedics are just going crazy with their tools and equipment and whatever the heck they, they, they're doing. And they're yelling, bring up the truck, bring up the truck. We got to get this guy out of here. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, guys, guys, stop. Whoa, what are you doing? I feel great. I feel fantastic. Like it was better than the best high I've ever experienced in my life. And they're like, you're not okay. You're seriously not okay. We're going in. And, and, I, and I was like, but did you, did you hear the voice? Did you, did you see the light? And then they're looking at me like, you know, they're looking at each other. Like I'm nuts, right? So I shut my mouth because I realized right away that I'm going to wind up in the wrong hospital if I keep talking about lights and voices. So I shut up, just like the first time I told somebody about the energy in the closet. Uh, that didn't go well either. So I was crazy then. I'm crazy now. Um, so I just go along with it. I go to the hospital. And um, when when you come back after the euphoria wears off, like when Novocaine wears off on a, on a root canal, boy, does that pain kick in. And every, every part of my body hurt so bad. It was like every aches, all the aches and pains that you have from anything uh, that we don't notice because we just go about our day and we don't really notice uh, an injury that may have happened when we were little or young or whatever, but it still er it hurts when it rains or something. All that is magnified. It's like a bomb went off inside my body. Horrible feeling, horrible. And I'm like, what, what did I come back here for? Uh, I wanted to do over. I wanted to go back to the light. This was terrible. This sucks. And so, oh, well, I didn't get to go back, but now I'm a 20 something year old. Um, and um, I don't fear death, even though I'm trying to hold on to atheism. I really am. Um, here's what I did. I justified what I saw. I figured I fell in front of a window. It was a sunny day. The sun shining through was the white light. And I inhaled so much gas fumes that I hallucinated the voice. There it is. And I, and I, and I rationalized it. I put it away. I stuck it in a, a compartment and I went back to being an atheist. But I knew in the back of my mind there was something more to it because now I'm just, I don't fear death. Um, is there anything else about the near death experience you want to share with like how like 
when when you first realized that it was happening and like when you came back into uh reality out mm-hmm. of it um can you talk a little bit about those experiences going in and coming out and what that kind of felt like for you well going in is euphoric i mean it's just it's beautiful and and let me just say this though um a lot of times NDEers get accused of romanticizing death, right? And um, do not get me wrong, life is precious and there's so much that we get to do with life, you know? So if anybody's got this silly idea that you're gonna end yours and go into the light, it, you're coming back, okay? And when you do, it's gonna be worse. So get that out of your mind right now, okay? Just it's there's plenty of time to get there you gotta go there naturally and and when it happens don't think like um you know you're just gonna end it and it's gonna be this beautiful thing it's not gonna happen that way there's karma and there's other things you got to deal with that you're you're going to come back to a, a, a worse situation than you're already in. So, you know, we have to reach that enlightenment. And then when we do, like the Buddha said, it was his seventh life and it had nothing to do with the number. It just had to do that. That's when he reached enlightenment. And he's like, I'm not coming back. So I need your disciples to move forward and, and teach this to other people. So I don't want to make it sound, um, I don't want to romanticize it too much, but it, when you, when it happens, yeah, it's pretty beautiful and it's painless and it's, it's just, it's, it's an amazing feeling, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm in no rush to get there tomorrow. Uh, but when I do, I'm not going to worry about it either. So, right. Um, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, um, I, I get the romanticizing part, like because I mean it does change you. Like after you experience that, your uh, I'm I'm sure your idea of death uh, changed, or like your perception or how you would feel about it, and how you feel about life also. But and you know what happens when we change our relationship with death? Um, I write at the end of the book. Um, um, in fact, it's one of the uh, principles of ascension is that you have to change your your relationship with death to understand um, that it's really it's not an end. It's it's a transformation. And when you do that, you don't worry about all the the, the little things anymore. If you uh, meet with a lot of people that are want to get into spirituality and want to learn about it, they work with patients in hospice because they have a perception of life that's completely different than anyone else's, right? Because it's coming to an end and they have an expiration date. So when you talk to them, they don't worry about silly shit. They're not worried about minuscule things. They have a completely different perception of everything. And, you know, and, and there's, there's certain things that we could take away from that. Um, they have like a, a sense of relaxation. They have no anxiety. They, they don't hold grudges that they, they, you know, they live for the moment. They live in every single moment as though it's the last because it might be. It doesn't that sound like how we should live every day, you know? Yeah. Don't wait until tomorrow. Do what you want to do today. You know, that's, that's like what we should be doing now. Instead, we were, we were working eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, and then sleeping a third of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, when do we live? Make your career what you love. <laughs> 
Make your career what you love. And when you love what you do every day and you wake up and, 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 and you feel good about what it is that you're doing, because success, it's not about money and it's not about anything else. It's about um, happiness and it's about peace and it's about tranquility and it's about contentment. Um, ultimately, it's contentment. And, um, you know, that can be found so much easier. You, you don't have to be a billionaire. You don't have to accomplish things that other people told you would make you happy. You just have to be um, content and peace. And that comes from right here within yourself. Were, were you and always, I remember an atheist or did you, did that, were you like raised Christian and became an atheist because you were just dissatisfied? Just with a rebel or just a rebel. Just to just to whatever they were, I was going to be the opposite just because I didn't like where I was. And, you know, it was it was more rebellion than anything else. But I also felt like, you know, they talk about this loving God in church that supposedly can, you know, do anything. And, and well, why is uh, why is there so much pain right here in my home? You know, so it, it didn't really make a lot of sense to me. I don't think that if I would have chose a religion, it would have been that one. But, you know, I think I went to the extreme just to be a rebellious kid. Um, and so it's a little bit after that that I, I move to my first apartment and I get to my first apartment and um, I moved in and I'm like, OK, this is great. You know, this is my, my first bachelor pad. Uh, we're going to parties and girls and this would be awesome. And now being a guy as a kid who could see energy, which really doesn't mean anything to me right now yet. And having crossed over and come back, these energies on the other side of the veil, well, I'm like a conduit now for them. They, they just come right through. Like I'm just right through. And my apartment, the second I walked into it, it just felt like it was filled with people. The first night I came home, it was like my, my home. I'm turning the key for the first time and I enter it and I just feel like there's 10 people in the room. And it's a crazy feeling. And literally, that's what I thought. I thought I was crazy because I would see lines shooting across the room. I would see these little swirlies over here at the, uh, on the side of my eyes. And I, and I would feel these pressures up against me, like, you know, uh, different emotions almost like going through me. And it was just, I couldn't sleep. Um, I, anything electrical did not work properly. I must have called the maintenance guy a hundred times until finally he came up and he goes, kid, listen to me very carefully. He goes, there's nothing wrong with your place. Don't call me again. You're crazy. And I said, oh, did, okay. So here I am crazy again. Did you again. lose that? that um, when did you lose that sensitivity? Like when you were a kid? Because like, you know, you were seeing the walls for lines or for... For what it was, didn't. for lines, you still had that the whole time, but oh yeah, yeah. I just thought it was normal, and and that sensitivity back then was not like it is now. Okay. Now it's yeah. like when you you know it was I had to be in a certain state to see what I saw and feel what I felt. Okay, but now because I had an NDE, it it's game on, right? They they're just they're like okay, he can see us. Let's go, everybody, come on, and. And it really, and, and the only way that I could shut that off was drugs and alcohol. So I became a heavy drinker and I would use any drug that would knock me out and get me some sleep because I could not sleep in that place. So I'm, I'm trying to make it about the place to the best of my ability. And 
Um, I get another place and I can't wait to move out of this thing. And I finally, I leave in 10 months. I got a 12 month lease, but I could, I was out in 10. Uh, the, the insomnia was so bad. I was, t- I was roofing myself to go to sleep. That's what I, that's what I was taking. And I got to the new place and I'm like, okay, this is going to be the place. This is it. You know, it's going to be great. We're going to, you know, parties and blah, 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 blah. Well, I get to the new place and the exact same thing happens again. So it's not the places, it's me race haunted. That's what it is. Whatever it is. I actually, at this point, I'm thinking I'm nuts. I'm, I'm losing my mind. Right. So what do I do? More drugs, more alcohol. Were, were there things you're seeing where they, did you think they were like, just like ghosts or imaginary friends or like, did you know? Well, I know now that they, they were the energy of deceased, but beings, but in the time, in the moment, I don't know what the hell's going on. And I can't tell anybody because every single time I open my mouth, I'm crazy. Somebody will say I'm crazy. So I just shut down, completely shut down and, and drank and, and, and used whatever I could find. Did you have so, any of that when you were a kid, as far as imaginary friends or any conversations that weren't with people you that know, were present? Yeah, but nothing like this. Okay. Not, not this, not on this level. And, and it's, and it, there's, it's going to make another jump in, in several years. So. Um, what happens is a few years later, I don't know exactly how many I'm approaching 30. I get married. I have two kids. Now I got to get my life in order. I can't live a lifestyle of not caring if I live or die. I can't be an alcoholic. I, you know, I have to make all changes. I got to get a real job. You know, I put myself in some really bad situations. Um, and I had to just end all of that for for them because now I do have a reason for leaving and my reason is them, those two boys that I brought into this world. So I checked myself in a rehab. I, dro- I drove myself to rehab. Who does that? I drove myself to rehab. I said, here's my keys. Do not let me out ever until I'm, I'm, I'm good. And, and that's, after that, I went back to college. I finished my degree. And I got a really good job in New York. And then I came back to Jersey and I got an even better job and I worked my way up the ladder and I, I did very well. And, you know, what had happened is, is we kind of had like this, this ceasefire, uh, between me and these beings because they know I'm not, I can't help them. I don't know what I'm doing. They know I don't know what I'm doing. So there's no point in continuing to like bombard me with stuff because they're not getting anywhere. Right. And that's all they really want to do at the end of the day is deliver a message to somebody and I can't do it. And they know I can't do it. So they're still floating around, but not as intrusive. And this, it stays this way. And I, this goes on for years and I'm raising my kids. I don't tell anybody. I don't tell anybody I can see anything. I don't tell anybody anything. You know, again, it's just squashed in the back of my mind. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm losing my mind or if it's, or what it is. I have no idea what, what any of, uh, like, I've never studied this. I didn't look it up on the internet. You know, there was just, I just ignored it until. Uh, my, my marriage broke up pretty quickly, I think in the third year and I had custody of the kids, the primary anyway. And so, um, and I, and I did well in the business world. I I did good. I did well for myself and I took care of my kids and gave them everything that I possibly could. Uh, I like to think I gave them a better life than, you know, than I had. And I, um, decide 
as I'm approaching, I, I'm in my forties at this time now, and I decide that I, they're, they're older. So I'm going to date seriously. Like I'm going to try to actually find somebody and to fall in love with. So the way I do this, I go on the internet, right? And I join, I'm looking for one of those dating sites to join. And I'm going through the, all the different sites. And when you go to one of those sites, they give you a couple of ladies that live in your area to try to entice you to get you to join that particular site, right? So I come across one uh, site in particular, and there's, there's four women. And I look at one of them and I was, I was just, I was just blown away. I was like, that's her. That's my wife right there. I knew it. I knew I had to meet her. So I joined the site and I sent one email only. And I told her and, and I said, listen, um, my name's Ray. I'm only sending one email. It's to you and you only because you're my wife. You just don't know it yet. And, you know, I said it in a funnier way, obviously, because she answered it. And I actually copied and pasted it and, and, and put it in the book. And I put a response in the book, too. Um, and we are married and we are together to this day. But um, when I meet her, things get stirred up again. And it's in the very beginning of our relationship when we just start dating. But we're getting serious quickly. And she says, so what are your spiritual beliefs? Now, she's got two little kids. I got two older kids. It's a normal question, right? Because you're trying to think about how are you going to raise the kids? What, you know, denomination or whatever you're going to do, right? And I said, I got no idea what I am. No clue. I said, how about you? I was waiting for her to go first. And then I would, I would be like, yeah, that's me too. That's what I am. But she didn't do that. She held back. And we really didn't. I said, well, I've been meaning to get around to it. And one day I will, you know, figure that out. Um, and it was about a month later, maybe two months later. It's my birthday around my birthday. And she says, I'm going to buy you something for your birthday. And I said, okay, great. What's that? And she says, it's going to be a spiritual clearing. And I went, um, great. Will we have cake? You know, I don't know what this is. I have no idea. She proceeds to tell me that it's about aligning my chakras and my energy and this and that. And I said, so it's like a massage. And she said, definitely not. <laughs> and I was like, okay. In fact, you're not even going to be there. And I said, well, where am I going to be? She goes, you could be at work. It doesn't matter. The woman's going to call you. She does it from home and she'll go through it with you. And I said, okay, hon, all right, whatever. And the, it, the, we get to the day, it's 10 o'clock. The woman calls me. She says, this is what I'm going to do. And when I'm done in about two hours, I'll call you back and I'll tell you what I see. And then, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, we'll, I'll, tell you I'm wrapping it up and whatnot. And so she calls me back in two hours and I get on the phone with her and she's like, so if you feel strange, if you feel off, you know, give me a call because it's perfectly natural, perfectly normal. And don't try to make any big life changing decisions in the next 24 to 48 hours. Okay. No problem. I, you know, I don't believe in any of this. So I'm just very polite to her and I hang up the phone, say, thank you very much. Um, and move on with my day. And it wasn't, it was maybe a half hour later, I got up from behind my desk and I went out, out of my office to the bathroom and I'm walking and I, I'm, I'm, my equilibrium is off. It's like, I'm, I'm a little wobbly, almost like I had a couple of drinks. And 
I haven't had a drink in 17 years, by the way. And I am just, it's like, like a, a, a balancing problem. And then, so I, I, I think it's weird, but I just shake it off. I don't think it, I don't think this has anything to do with what this woman just did is what, what I'm saying. Then I start to get a headache and then I feel more off and it's really weird. So I call it a day and I leave for the day. I say, I got a headache. I'm going to get it out of here and I'm going to go home. So this was a Friday. So I get home, uh, Friday night. Now, this is the very first time I have ever seen an energy being in the form of a human. I have never seen that to this day. And it's the very first one, and it's a man. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching Netflix, but I'm not watching it. I'm just kind of like flipping through channels. And I see, not, in my, not with my eyes, in my third eye, it's a man who comes forth and he's right here on what I call the movie screen in my mind. He's right here. And he says, I effed up. I made a mistake. You can help her. I cannot. And now I'm really freaked out. I don't know what that is. That I've never seen before. And about an hour later, he says it again. And then an hour later, he says it again. Now I go to sleep that night. I get up the next day, it's Saturday. And it's almost like every hour on the hour, he's coming back and I'm watching this same video loop. It's like eight seconds that I, I have to watch over and over. By Sunday, it felt like it was every five minutes. Now I don't know if that's really true, but that's the way it felt to me. It was almost a constant and I couldn't drive. I couldn't have a conversation with you or anybody else. I could not just be normal. And I, 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 the breaking point for me is when I was paying for my stuff in a, in a particular store and I took out my credit card and I don't know what I did exactly. Maybe I, uh, I don't know, froze or something. But the girl behind the counter says, sir, are you okay? And I said, no, no, I'm really not. And I took my card back and I walked with my head down to my car and I sat down and I said, okay, this is it. I am officially crazy. I'm insane. I'm losing my mind. Do you, do you know and what the woman I, that was doing the cleansing was doing that like caused this? Do you have any idea like what that process was that affected you that was remote? A remote spiritual clearing is in fact, uh, it's, it's, a, it's similar to what you have done if you're on, on a table. They are aligning your chakras. They are taking out any blocks that you may have. And when you're removing blocks, especially the chakras, you know, uh, the crown chakra in particular, the energy is comes in and goes out of your body through there, right? So I'm, she's more or less tuning me like a guitar. And I'm a guy who can see energy and a guy who's been on the other side and came back. So it's almost like you just opened all those things that I had just kind of shut down here that you opened them up like a fresh wound again. And this is the first time I'm now I can see a, what a person, what looks like a person but I yeah. know, you know, is energy. It had to have been like different for you because if you'd not researched or any of these things that you assume that like they took one of your socks or something and some in like one of your 
part of your hair and like <laughs> set it on fire. It's, it's, you know, like almost like witchcraft to, to target you somehow. Uh, not, not nice. You know, <laughs> I just say like, you know, that's the, the, the movies teach you that. So when somebody's like, not, yeah, is messing with you remotely. I would think that there's probably lots right. of thoughts going through your head. Turn like, you into a voodoo doll or, you know, I didn't see that. I didn't, I, I really didn't think of it that way. I thought of it because I had so many experiences before that hurt that I just figured, you know, it's all on me. It's just a progression of my insanity and now i'm at a point where you know i'm, I'm probably gonna die and i have to get my affairs in order i got to make sure that my kids are taken care of and i and i knew that my brother had a package and i wanted to make sure the will was in there my do not resuscitate was in there because do not resuscitate me again i am going to that friggin' light and nobody's stopping me this time um so i made sure i had that in writing and and, and i made sure that he had everything so that when the day came I was, I was prepared for my kids and that's where my head is at in this moment. Now, what do I tell this woman that I just fell in love with, you know, basically just started getting serious with her and I'm about to tell her what I see people, I see dead people. What, what, what am I supposed to say? And you know, if all of this is not enough, let me, let me preface this by saying, um, she is a doctor of psychology and neuropsychology by trade. He just can't make this stuff up. Yeah. So the woman I love is a doctor of psychology. I'm going to sit with her and say, hi, hon, I see dead people, right? She's going to run for the hills. And, and this is what I expect. But at least I figure I'm going to get the help that I need, um, perhaps if there's any cure for whatever the hell it is that I'm dealing with. So that's what I expect, that... She's going to say, here's, call this guy. He's a great doctor. Never call me again. But that's not what I get. The same woman that bought me a spiritual clearing. And she said, tell me about it. And I said, okay, well, the, you know, the guy, he's like a big husky guy and he's got a beard and a mustache and he's got jet black hair and uh, the shirt that he's wearing, it looks like it's from like 1991. It was around 90, 91. And he says, I effed up. I made a mistake. You can help or I cannot. And he's right here, like almost dead center, which later I learn is, you know, no one's dead center, you know, but always on an angle. And she says, oh my God, that sounds like my dad. And I said, your, your dad died around 1990 or something. Didn't you tell me that? And she's like, yeah. And now I'm thinking she's nuts and I got to get the hell out of there. And, um, She's like, no, no, really. Yeah, I've been to mediums before and this is, uh, he's come through. He comes through just like the way you said it. And I said, but he doesn't look anything like the picture that I saw that was on the mantle in your living room. And she said, wait a minute, that's a very old picture. Let me show you what he looked like before he died. And she goes through the phone, sends me a picture and I look at it and I said, you know this guy? And she said, that's my dad. And my heart just sank right into my stomach in that moment. And a part of me wanted to be relieved, but I'm not really at that particular moment because now what am I? At least insanity, I understand, right? This medium thing, I have no idea what that is. No idea. Nor did I believe that anything like that was ever possible. I would make fun of that shit if I saw it on TV, excuse my language. I would just, you know, it was not in my realm of thinking in any way, shape or form. 
Yeah, that's that's wild. That and you don't have to apologize for saying anything. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, you can it's swear. Oh, swear. if you're gonna open up those doors, I could, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Be, be you. We're good. Don't with apologize it. for shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'll keep that in mind. So she um, she's very she says, listen, there's this medium that's coming to our area, and she's going to be here for about a week. And she's going to stay with so-and-so, with a friend of a friend of a friend. And why don't I book a session for you and me? And you can kind of just talk to her and compare notes. And I'm like, what have I got to lose, right? Uh, might as well. So yeah, okay, I'll do it. Sound like a good idea. So we get there and um, she says, um, you want to go first? And I said, yeah, I have to go first. Otherwise I'm out of here because I'm like shaking. I don't want to be there. I'm just sweats coming down my face. I'm petrified. I mean, I've been dealing with this my whole life. I'm ready for another person to just tell me I'm crazy. And then I'm going to shoot myself in the head. Um, so I go in and I say, hi, uh, we, I introduced myself. I said, hi, I'm Ray. And she said, oh, you're that Ray. And I said, um, what? She goes, tell me what, tell me what's happening, Ray. And I said, well, um, I'm losing my mind. I'm, I'm completely insane. I see things that aren't there. And she laughs. She chuckles. She goes, huh? So do I. Let's have a seat. Tell me more about it. Very calmly. And I said, well, um, the first thing that happens is I get these vibrations and they're either low and deep and, or they're high and they're tingly. And then I, I, I start to see the lines, you know, going across. Sometimes the temperature will change just a little bit in the room. And, and then like the movie, it's like a movie screen that opens up in my mind. And she's like, stop. What? I said, she's like, that's exactly the way I see it. We all call it the movie screen and we all see the movie screen. And I was like, holy shit. And I didn't know what to do in that moment, but I felt relieved. And she said, I'll tell you, when I was young, my parents had me institutionalized for being schizophrenic. So I understand no one believes you. And I was like, oh my God. And I, I just wanted to hug her. Because here's this other human that went through what I went through my entire life, understood me and could relate to me. And this was the first time, and I'm for like 48, 46 at this moment. And somebody finally understands what it's like. So she took me on and she became my mentor for the first year. And thank God she did, because she taught me how to navigate, how to turn it on, how to turn it off, how to, uh, you know, uh, different practices that I could do to reach higher levels if I want to speak to guides as opposed to just, you know, regular folks in the fourth realm who are coming to me. And, you know, she explained to me why they come. They're like, they just have a message to deliver. And, and by the way, if, you know, in hindsight, I, I, when I gave... Um, my wife, who, who wasn't my wife yet, that message that the man told me, right? Her dad, it went away. He went away. The message was gone. No longer was it like every five minutes. It was just, it was gone. So she said, yeah, that's all you had to do was deliver the message. That's all they want. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So when I wouldn't deliver the message, he got more persistent. She's like, exactly. And I said, okay. So I, I learned a lot from her in that first year. Um, and then it was the next year 
the next uh, birthday, here it is my birthday again, something always happens. And my wife says, let's go away for your birthday. And I said, okay, great. She goes, where do you want to go? I don't care as long as there's tons of trees. Now I'm now I'm totally uh, spiritual tree hugging. You name it, I'm I'm like just I want to go in the middle of nowhere and meditate. That's it. I don't want to. No you, people, just did you, trees. Did you still have the same I, normal job, everyday job, or did you, did anything change? For I that? still have it at that time. I yeah. still have it. Yep, still got it. And um, we're coming to the end of that though. Okay. So when I get to the, the when I when after. Um, when we're at that cabin in the middle of nowhere, uh, she takes out this this picture and it's a portrait that someone drew of her dad. And I said, that's your dad. And she goes, I know. And I said, no, but you don't understand. That's the shirt. That's the way I see him when he's in my mind. That's it. That's the way he looks. And she goes, wow, that's uh, that makes sense because a medium drew this for me. He's a spirit artist. He can draw what he sees. And I was like, wow, that's fucking cool. I wish I could do that. I mean, you, there's no denying it when I can draw the picture of the person and say, is this one, you know? I mean, it's just, it's, it's so evidential, right? And so I'm like, I got to meet this guy because he's obviously awesome. So we type in his name, do an internet search and his website pops up and it says right across the website, now taking applications for a two-year mentorship program with Medium Joe. And I was like, wow. Uh, and I said the deadline to submit your application was February 15th, and that is my birthday. So she's like, are you going to apply? And I said, uh, yeah, I'm if that's not divine intervention, I don't know what is. So I fill out the application and you submit the application, which just gets your name in there. It's a meaningless application. Then they send you the real application, which is like this thick, like a telephone book. And you have to answer essay questions. How do you feel when this happens? How do you feel when that happens? How do you know the difference between this? How do you know? And I'm, and I'm like just learning this stuff myself, but you had to prove you were real and you had to go step by step by step, everything that you've seen, everything that you've done, how it transpired, uh, you know, all the different things. And after that, then you have an interview and then you have another application. So if you couldn't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're the real deal, you're not getting in. That's the bottom line. And so I never heard from the guy, never heard from him. And I was like, okay, I guess, you know, I didn't, I didn't get it. Weeks had gone by. And so I just called for the hell of it and to find out that I didn't get it, you know? So I called and his assistant answered the phone. And I said, hi, I'm Ray. I just wanted to verify that, you know, I didn't get the into the mentorship. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. She goes, we didn't choose. We didn't choose anybody yet. Or that's what she said at, at the moment. And I said, oh, she goes, there's hundreds of applications. And I was like, wow. Okay. No problem. And, and, and I said, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. And um, now this is to, to give you an idea of the integrity of this man. Okay. Uh, it's a two-year program. It costs several thousand dollars and he has hundreds of applicants. Do the math. He could just say, yeah, you're all real. Come on in. Yeah. Huge windfall, right? Not what happened. I eventually was chosen and I was number 11 out of 11. Huh. Awesome. And that's when I knew that I was never leaving this guy. 
because I knew that not only was he 100% legit, but he had integrity like I've never seen. And I attached myself to him like, you know, um, like he was my dad. And he taught me so much, uh, not just about mediumship, about life, about spirituality, about uh, manifestation, law of attraction, all kinds of things. I mean, he just, he taught us so much. Most of all, he taught us about integrity. He goes, remember guys, you go out there and you're asking people to believe that you see dead people. Think about that. Put yourself in the other person's fucking shoes for a moment, right? You, you lie about one thing, you're done. You're done. And I always admired him for that. I just totally like, I, I, I get that. And, um, so he, uh, so he, it's a two year program. And that was like four and a half years ago. And I'm still in the program because I'm never leaving this guy. And um, I don't want to graduate. And I told him, I said, I, I don't want to graduate. I just, I just, I want to come to these meetings and be with, and, and now I'm, the new class is coming through and I'm in a new class. And um, is it mostly so, virtual, like an online thing or how does it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it started in COVID. It was never supposed to be that way, but it turned into, into that. Yeah, like a lot um, of things that turned remote all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah everything. Yeah. yeah. Everything. And, uh, and that's, um, so, uh, so yeah, it was a two year program. I was four years in, I'm still with him, but I had to, I told him that, um, I had had, an awakening and which I did uh, when I was writing the second book. All right. The first book is the atheist in the afterlife. I come to terms with everything. I know what's real and what's not real now. And the second book that I'm writing is now about my spiritual awakening. And, and when I write this book, I quit that job because it no longer aligns with who I am. And I, and I told my boss and I, I was, he's the president of the company. I'm the vice president of the company. And I said, listen, I'll give you six months notice, five months notice, two months notice, whatever you want. Take all the time in your world to, to replace me, you know, cause I really appreciate you, but I have to go, I have to move on. And, um, and that's, uh, he's like, wow, I didn't see that coming. And I said, I didn't see that coming either, but that's what I have to do. I just know I have to do that. Was that and, the, the first book? Was that when you really like were out and people knew about what you were doing? Were you actually like practicing these things with people and, and getting I was only practicing in class. I would never practice outside of class. Never told anybody, never wanted my neighbors to know nobody. I didn't want it to know. Um, it's not, um, I don't know, normal, you know, uh, where I live in this particular part of the Northeast, uh, New Jersey, New York, you know, people are just going to say, you're out of your fucking mind, you know? So no, we, I, I, I really kept a lid on it. And if I got something, I would give it to my wife and I would say, okay, you can give that to so-and-so just don't say it came from me. Say you're on the phone with your medium or whatever. And there was a plenty of messages that, you know, I had given that were, that meant a lot to other people, you know? But the thing is this, so when you, I started to learn, I start, I, I start to learn everything about 
everything. I mean, I, I went back to school for metaphysics. I got my bachelor's. I got my master's. I'm now doing my PhD. Um, I studied physics, Einstein, Niels Bohr, uh, Hubble, all the, all the rock stars of yesterday, right? Uh, in the physics world. And then I studied Eckhart Tolle, Deepak Chopra on this side and all the spiritual guys. And I'm just a voracious reader. I, I got no job. So I'm reading everything and I go to school and I'm studying and I'm practicing and I start to put things together like physics with spirituality and that's why i i call it uh scientific spirituality is what i teach because everything that i teach i teach it from a scientific perspective i will tell you the exact law the the the, the proven physical law that makes this doable right so if you want to know how the law of attraction works i can explain it to you from a physics standpoint not as I can do it spiritually, but everybody's done that. I can tell you actually how it works. Uh, Ray, I can tell you right now. I'm just speak for everyone. We would love, we would love for you to explain that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, the challenge accepted. Like <laughs> challenge accepted. Okay. Okay. So um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll try to abbreviate it for the course of time. But all right, when you. Uh, we think in our thoughts are things. Our thoughts are on frequencies. When you think of something, the you admit a frequency of that item. Okay, so if you want to think about an inanimate object such as money, and you're thinking about money, you get you get your visualization of what money looks like to you. Okay, very very important that you say it in the positive tense and you see it in the positive tense, and I'll, and I'll explain why. If you say. Um, uh, there was a time I needed $10,000. I needed it right away. And I said, I need $10,000. I need it now. I need $10,000. I need it now. Now there's a process to this. It's not just all about the affirmation. There's a meditation that we do and we raise our frequency actually, or lower our frequency because the earth is 7.83 Hertz. That's the Schumann resonance, right? The earth is harmonious within the rest of the universe at 7.83 Hertz. You and I are probably vibrating between 10 and 15. Many, many years ago, people vibrated around five. So they would have had to raise themselves. We have to actually lower ourselves. And that's just because of all the stuff we intake. But what we want to do is we want to match the Earth's 7.83. It doesn't have to be precise. You just got to be in the area. You just want to be in the area of your resonant frequency. And once you are there, now you're in a space where you start to go through the meditation. And we start with... Um, Oz or ohms as a chant and you can listen to it you don't have to actually do the chant but that you can find them on youtube you just listen to them and you let it resonate and you let it fill your body and then the second part we do is called an attitude of gratitude and you say all the things you're grateful for i don't care how bad your life is or how fucked up your life is there are good things in your life that you have so say you're grateful for those things okay now you're on a frequency that's very positive. You you did all the steps. You're going to go back to your Oz. Why are we using Oz? Because it's the sound of creation. And you are a part of God and God is a part of you. And if you don't want to use the term God, pick another term. It doesn't matter. Jesus told, you, told us that. And he was right on that. 100%. You are a creator. You have the right to create. So if God is your partner and he's not doing his job, then tell him what you need. And I don't ask pretty please and don't say 10 Hail Marys. Say, listen, I need 10 grand and I need it now. There's nothing wrong with that. 
I'm starting to see now the Wizard of Oz is about your manifestation. You're God. <laughs> We're all God. A little piece of me, a little piece of you, a little piece of everybody is God. Okay, but I didn't get to the physics part yet. So you're looking at the money in your chin. When you see it, I want you to use all five senses. So I want you to smell it. I want you to touch it. I want you to taste it even. Okay? And when you get that visualization and you send that out, it's going to find a match. It's going to find the same frequency. And that frequencies are going to attract and they're going to connect. How do we know this? Because if I pick up my cell phone right now and I dial your telephone number, what's going to happen? My phone is going to change frequencies to your phone number and your phone's going to ring and you're going to answer and say hello and we can communicate and send things back and forth to each other because we're on the same frequency. It's that simple. And, and, and a radio that emit, you have a satellite dish, right? Remember the old radios used to have to dial, uh, dial it in to get the frequency. Wow. And if you were off a little bit, right? If you were off a little bit, it was static. And then you get it back in and you're like, okay, now you get the information you want because you're on the same frequency. Everything works like that. Everything works on a frequency. There's an infinite amount of frequencies. So when you align with the frequency that it is that you're looking for, whatever the it is, it's coming to you. Okay, so why do some people say it doesn't work? I'll tell you why. Because you have to stay in the frequency for the majority of the day, for a good portion of the day. Because, and what's going to take you off that frequency? A driver that cuts you off and you're going to get all mad because your emotions are going to change and change your frequency. You're going to get pissed off and you're going to start yelling at that guy. And then you're going to go to work and you say, you're never going to believe this asshole that cut me off and nearly killed me. And then you're going to go home and tell your family, you're never going to believe this guy that cut me off and nearly killed me. And now you haven't manifested anything because you were taken out of your frequency for too long, that day's wasted, you gotta start over again tomorrow. But when you get to a point where that car cuts you off and you don't care anymore, because nothing really happens when a car cuts you off anyway, and you get angry for nothing, and you stay in your frequency, that's when you're gonna get what it is you need or what it is that you want. And the first time um, I did this, my mentor taught me the process and my kid, first kid was going to college and the college I thought was paid for. And then they called me up and they said, you're short 10,000. When are you going to send us the 10,000? I said, what are you talking about? And they said, well, yeah, you owe us 10,000. He's going to live on campus and they're not going to let him move in unless I cough up to 10. So I had just learned this. So I said, okay, let's see if it works. What have I got to lose? And, you know, I did the meditation. I did exactly the way I was taught. And I said, I need 10,000. I need it now. I need 10,000. I need it now. It's not for me. It's for my son. And I need it now. I need it now. I need 10,000. I need it now. I'm not, I'm putting an exact number on it and I'm telling you exactly when I need it. Okay. It, it, I'm not, it's not ambiguous in any way, shape or form. If you make it ambiguous, you're leaving room, wiggle room for something you may not want. Right. And you don't ask because if you're asking, the answer, you're leaving again, some ambiguity. You cannot do that. You're co-creator. You got to demand what it is you want. So I do it six times that day and nothing happens at all. And uh, my son, my other son comes down and he brings me the mail and I, I, I quickly shift through it, right? And I see a, a letter from my accountant. 
And I'm, I, now I'm annoyed, right? Because I'm like, you're not listening to what I'm saying. You're giving me a tax bill when I'm, I'm telling you I need $10. Did, did I say it wrong? Did I do it wrong? And I take the letter and I just throw it aside. And the next day I get up and I do it again six times. It's only a twice a day thing. You do it in the morning, you do it at night. But I'm in a hurry. I really need this. So the whole day I do it every chance I get. And again, I get nothing. So the end of the second day, I'm very frustrated. And I start thinking, who can I borrow from? Where can I take from? I'll just borrow it, put it back, you know, yada, yada. And I said, let me just, let me just open the mail. So I open the mail to see what the damage is on my tax bill. And my accountant had done my taxes. And every year I owe because I'm a 1099 employee. So I take out the first letter and it says, Dear Ray, thank you for allowing us to do your taxes this year. Uh, you owe us whatever, you know, something, something. Okay, great. But that's the bill. Next one comes out and it says, Dear Ray, uh, you've overpaid the federal government $8,200 and something, something cents and blah, 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 blah. And wait, 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 wait I got to read that again. You overpaid $8,216.20 something cents. Okay, that I paid too much. So I, that's a refund of $8,200. And I'm like, whoa, I put that down. I take out the next letter. It says, you've overpaid the state of New Jersey $1,860 something dollars and something, something cents. It's 10 grand. It's just barely over 10 grand. I think it came out to like $10,016 or something like that. And I just dropped to my knees and I wept like a child. It was there now. I said I needed it. It was there on the first day. And to prove that it wasn't a one-off, I did it again. And then I did it again. And then I did it again. And after the fourth time, I stopped asking for money because I always got it. I always got the exact amount and I got it in the time that I needed it. So I stopped, I felt like I was almost abusing it. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm just ask for other things for now. So the law of attraction basically works by you getting on the same frequency as the thing that you want to attract to you. And how can this work against you? Simply, um, I manifested a car accident one time because I didn't want to go to work anymore. And this guy that I had run into, I hadn't seen him in a very long time. This was way back now. It's like 89 something, maybe 89, 90, 88. I don't know the exact year, but he's spending all this money. I'm like, where'd you get all this money from? He said, well, I had a car accident and I sued the other driver. And I was like, brilliant. You don't even look hurt. And he's like, well, I am, but it's not that bad. And I was like, how can I do that? I wish I could have a car accident and not get that hurt and sue somebody. Hmm. And I thought about it every day. I would go to this job and I hated that job. And I would just, I wish I could have that car. I just, just wish I could be him. So one day I'm driving and it's raining and the car and I'm in a, it's a three lane highway and we're doing about 55, 65 and the car in the right lane starts to come over into my uh, lane without looking. And I blow the horn and he, and he goes back. He doesn't hit me. He goes back. But me back then being the asshole that I am, I have to pull up alongside him and tell him everything that I think of him. And as I'm talking to him, I'm looking at him when I'm not looking at is what's right in front of me and traffic came to a dead stop. And I drove right into the car at 55, 65 miles an hour. And then another car hit me and then another car hit that car, which hit me. And then another car hit that car that hit me again. And I'm just spinning around and around and around and I'm faced the other way 
the wrong way on the highway. I'm in. I'm crushed inside the car. I couldn't get out if I wanted to. And the, and the police. I remember the, the police lady said, "Is he with us?" Meaning like, is he still alive? And I tried to like move my finger just so they wouldn't think I was dead. And um, so you can manifest bad stuff. And back then, I, I lived a life of chaos. So I would manifest tons of negative things, but I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. But if you put your thoughts into something negative, you're getting the negative. And a lot of times, if you do something, if you, let's say you've been sick for a long time, right? And you want to be healthy, but you say in your manifestation, I don't want to be sick anymore. I don't want to be sick anymore. I don't want to be sick anymore. Well, the universe doesn't speak English or French, German, Japanese, or any fucking else other language. It speaks vibration. So if you say, I don't want to be sick anymore, you sent up I and sick. There's no translation. You're getting more sick. I want to be healthy. I need to be healthy and I will be healthy now. Now you're sending up the I, the construct of I, which is yourself and the health, whatever health looks like to you, whatever you envision that to be, and you're sending that out to find its match and bring it back to you. So it's all about connecting frequencies. And it, and like Tesla told us, the secrets of the universe, energy, frequency, vibration, it's all it is. And he was totally right, 100% right. You can break everything down into one of those three categories. What, what I, uh, you, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Big follower of this, the the law of attraction and the other laws of the universe and the the whole, the universe always says yes. So just be careful what you wish for, how you ask it. Um, yeah. So I really I appreciate your explanation on on all that. Super important to say it in the positive tense. Um, telling telling the universe what you don't want does not work. And and you know also what we do sometimes is something say something bad happens to us and we dwell on it and we're like man that sucks man that sucks and you carry it around all day you're sending out more negativity more negativity and you're going to get back more negativity people that you interact with are going to go you're never going to believe what happened to me and then the next person is going to come up and go oh man my life sucks and here's why and you're wondering why all these negative people are telling you their problems it's because you're emitting your own Right. But if you change that and you start training, retraining the brain, which is what I call it. When I coach, I teach people retrain the brain and say things in the positive tense, everything, everything. As soon as you say it wrong, correct it. Say, strike that, you know, sorry, I meant to say it this way and say it that way. And eventually you'll just do it naturally and things will flow out of you in the positive. And then people will start coming up to you and they'll be like, hey, how was your day? Good. How was yours? It was phenomenal. I can't wait to tell you what I what happened. And all of a sudden, the people that are attracted to you are completely different. It might be the exact same people, but they're telling you the good stuff in their life instead of the bad stuff. And you're like, well, what's going on here? It's you. You're changing everybody around you. They're not changing. They don't even know what it is they're doing. But you're saying good things and they want to, they're attracted to you saying good things. So they're going to say good things because they want to be with you. Why is this guy so friggin' happy? I don't know, but I, let's go find out. My fiance and, you go, and I 
we, we've been re reframing ourselves every day. Uh, and she's really been helping me with that stuff. Like, yeah, that's really, really awesome. Just to, like correct yourself, catch yourself and correct yourself so that you maintain all the positive mindset. Yeah. Huge. So powerful. So powerful because, you know, like, like I said, you're a part of this universe. You're a part of God. You're a part of the universe. You're a part of the collective, whatever you want to call it. Your, your consciousness is a piece of that. That makes you co-creator. So you can create, you can make things and you can, you can, uh, you work as a, you, you tell your partner, this is what I need in my life. Maybe you can't change what's happening on the other side of the world, but Hey, you do what you can for yourself and your family and the people around you, right? Maybe you can, maybe you are one of those people that can change that. And by all means, go for it. If that's what you, who and what you believe you are, do it, please. But if you don't really believe it, that's the other thing. My kid says, why don't you ask for a billion dollars? I said, cause I don't know what the fuck a billion dollars looks like. I don't even know anybody that's a billionaire. I've never been in the presence or the room of a billionaire. So I have no concept of it. And if I can't conceptualize it, I certainly can't find the frequency for it. So I got to build my way up in numbers that I understand and things that I can conceive. Because if you can conceive it, you can achieve it. But if you can't conceive it, you can't get on the, the uh, frequency. It's not going to happen. So you have to slowly build yourself up. Use the numbers that you have, the numbers that you're familiar with, and then get to the next number and then go higher and then go higher. And anything is possible. And, you know, this is not just about money by any means. I use money because it's a simple example and everybody understands it. But, you know, this is this is love, relationships, happiness. I mean, just you can use this with anything. Yeah, I assume a lot of people probably go straight to money because I think it's the thing that people stress about the most, I would assume. Um, I did, I uh, was curious though, like, because you had, um, you know, a mentor and went through all that training, how did, how did everything change for you when you actually went to school and started getting into metaphysics? How did that change? Like how you perceived it and how you operated? So I started to take my takeaways from all those things were very combined. Um, and it was, it was a part of the things that I was reading too. Right. And when I I started to see things differently. I started to change my perception of my truth. And when you change your truth, you change your reality, right? So you can look at anything. At what is that? What is ultimately good or bad? Nothing. Nothing is either good nor bad, but thinking makes it so. So your mind decides what's bad and what's good ultimately, right? Anything can be a bad thing and anything can be a good thing. You can look for the silver lining in a terrible thing and make it a good thing. So people say, uh, you know, uh, what was your best day ever? And I could say, oh, it was the day my sons were born. But the, the truth of the matter is the best days were my worst days, the days that were fucking hell on this earth. Because those were the days I showed my character. Those are the days I shined. Those are the days when I learned the most about myself and the world. Those are the days that I became something. I didn't become something the days I was given something. Those days they, they, that come easy, you don't learn anything. You learn from tragedies and traumas and terrible things. Those are good things because they're life lessons that you're going to have forever. Those are my best days. 
not my worst days. So look for the good. Nothing is either good nor bad, but your thinking makes it so. Choose what's bad and good. My car broke down. Okay, well, what's good about that? Well, I, I you know, I, you get to get a new car or whatever. You crashed your car. You, your insurance company buys you another one. There's always something. There's always something good about it. And I don't care how, how bad it is. My car accident, I did sue. I did get money. Wasn't a good way to do it. And I don't recommend it. But, you know, there's always something good there. You just have to look for it and take it away. So, if I didn't go through the traumas and I didn't have that in my youth and I didn't think I was going crazy and all the other stuff that happened to me, if I didn't have any of that, we wouldn't be talking here. No one would buy my book. Nobody would care what I have to say. So all of those things are good. It's all about how you frame it, how you, how you picture it. Somebody um, asked Michael Jordan, I'll, I'll never forget this. This is um, a reporter asked Michael Jordan, he goes, how do you make those three pointers that nobody else in the NBA can make? And at first he was like, you know, you know, I just kind of do, you know. And then he thought about it and he said an answer that I will never, ever forget. He said, okay. He goes, some days I go out there on the court and the basketball hoop, it's a basketball hoop. Some days I go out there and that hoop is a big old bucket. And I just put the ball up and I can't miss. He changes his perception of reality. He changes his truth to change his perception to change his reality. That's fucking powerful, man. And he didn't say he could do it on every day, but there were days when it just happened. He literally believed that this thing was bigger than it was. I think a basketball hoop is 55 and a half inches or something. Now he's seeing it at like maybe a hundred. That's incredible. That's incredible power. And that probably came from when he was a kid and he was shooting. His dad said, "You, that thing is so big. How can you not get that ball in there? Do it again. Shoot it again. Look at how big that is. Throw it again. You know, and over and over and over and over. And he believes this basketball hoop is bigger than it is. And he can't miss. And Tiger Woods says something uh, very similar. He said, sometimes the, the cup, it just opens up. It's like the ground opens up. And I could putt from anywhere and it's going in. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying even before, like just belief uh, pretty much makes everything real. And it's like the, I mean, everything from fake pregnancies that happen uh, to like Santa Claus to the Easter bunny, the, you know, the tooth fairy to, you know, uh, whatever, whatever you can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Witchcraft, yeah. you know, um, all, all the things. <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, you decide in your mind, every, I used to have this couch in, in my office and when people would come into it, I would ask them what color it is. And it's one of those couches that you could say it's any color. It's like, it could be ground, brown, it could be beige, it could be gray. Right. And I said, and I would ask them, I would say, so what color is the couch? <clears throat> Most people would say beige or brown. And I said, no, it's gray. And we are both looking at the exact same couch and they're, and they would question themselves and they say, I think it's brown. And I said, well, if you think it's brown, then it's brown. That's what it is. And then I would share with them that I'm partially colorblind and I can't see it anyway. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> so the truth of the matter is, is we're both right. We're both absolutely right. Through my eyes, that's a gray couch. 
And through her eyes, it was a brown couch. Your perception is your reality. And if I took the witness stand and I said, well, a car drove away from, you know, the, the bank and they just robbed the bank, uh, that, that car was gray. And somebody else said that car was brown. And we're both going to swear under oath. And we're both right. So you can create what your truth is and then make your truth your reality. And that's, that's the most powerful thing anyone can ever do, I think. And, and hopefully everyone will use that for good because, you know, it, it, it can be uh, used in a good way and it can be used in a bad way too, as we know. So you, t- you talked about, uh, we were kind of on your, your path there before. So you got your, your first book out and you went to start going to school. How did you, uh, you know, because you quit your job, how did you get into uh, being the, um, uh, the life coach, coach. For, you know, as, for a living? And like, how did, you know, how did you get through that? So um, it was after the release of the first book, I want to say. Um, and while I, I completed my bachelor's in, in metaphysics and I, that combined with the book, you know, I had the qualifications to do life coaching I, and I have a life coach degree as well. And I, I have a, a master certified in life coaching. So I got that and I had the bachelor's degree in metaphysics and the book was published. Then I was continuing with my master's at the same time. And I start, you have to do, you know, a certain amount of hours before you can actually uh, get the official title of life coach. If you go through the ICF anyway, which is like the governing body. Um, and uh, so I was clocking my hours and I had to do five, I don't know if it was a hundred or 500 or whatever, whatever it was. So you keep track of them and then you send it in. And, um, and it just kind of grew because anybody um, that read the book kind of, you know, gravitated to um, the the what was in it, and a lot of people could relate to it. And it was a lot of people that had suffered trauma. Maybe they weren't mine, but they had suffered trauma, and they found a spiritual a spiritual way out, like I did. Um, and uh, the book really started to um, give, I guess give credibility to everything. And that's where my clients started to come from. And my, remember, my wife's a psychologist. Yeah. So I worked in the office right next door, right? So she would take the kids and she would give me the parents. And because she's like, listen, you can you can heal these people in two months. I, I've seen this guy for two years here, take them, you know. Cognitive therapy, that's old. That's, that's in the past, you know, now we're, now we're in metaphysics land. It's not, you know, we know how this universe works and we know how to manipulate it. So it's not about, uh, you know, you can dig and dig and dig and, you know, it's great to do cognitive therapy and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. God knows I did it for 20 something years, but it seems to never come to an end. You never get to where you want to go. Right. Right. That's the problem with cognitive therapy. It never ends. It is a profession, not necessarily a cure. Uh, That's, so. Yeah. And you and, had and, experience with um, psychedelics and stuff on the way as well, right? Like I think you, you, when we talked, you said you sat with ayahuasca yeah. and tried different things that kind of helped you uh, get to where you needed to be. Well, so what happened was, is my wife actually found that and she um, went through an immense transformation. I witnessed it. I had already gone through my transformation, but I did try psychedelics and I, I did get trained in um, entheogenics. Um, officially, I, I am 
a, a shaman because I could talk to dead people and I know, you know, about the medicine and I received this. Um, and, uh, on, I, in order to get this uh, medal, it was given to me by my shaman. I had to go to Peru and climb to the top of Mount Machu Picchu. And it's actually kind of a funny story too, because um, when I was a little kid, um, this is how the ego works. Uh, I had overheard my mother say she was deathly afraid of heights. And so my whole entire life, I said to everybody, I was deathly afraid of heights. And here I am, you know, 50 years old, 50 something. And I fly to Peru. I can't wait to get to the top because the, the elders of the tribe are up there and I'm going to have them get my healing rights and, and they're going to give me this and, and, and I'm going to, it's going to be official, you know, and this is like a huge moment for me. And I climb right up and I get to the top and we have the ceremony. I climb right back down and I said to my wife, I'm not afraid of heights. It's my mother. I was carrying her shit around with me for 50 years. <laughs> I'm not afraid of any, I'm the, what the fuck? Uh, you know how many ladders I didn't get on because of her? I mean, it's ridiculous what we believe. We take other people's shit on and we think it's ours and we carry that stuff. And that's what awakening is. You break away from your ego. So about psychedelics, that's what it does. Some people, they can't do it through the meditation and, and, they, and they get stuck. And that kind of opens you up. And it just removes the default mode network and it allows you to see things that you can't wouldn't normally be able to see because you have this ego dictating what's going on and, and, and telling you what to do and what not to do. And your ego doesn't know shit. Trust me, your ego is not you. It's everybody else in your life that told you what you were, that told you what you should be, that told you what should make you happy. It's all fake. It's not until you connect with your awareness which is your highest level of consciousness. And we call it awareness because we're aware that we have an ego. We're aware that we have a thought. We're aware that we have an emotion. And if you're aware of these things, you can change them. So use that. Your awareness is connected to the collective. That's your direct connection. They called it the God mind in, in college. It's the God mind. It's the direct connection. So instead of going to your subconscious for it, uh, information, which is where your ego is going to go and take it from there and tell you you're afraid of heights, go to your awareness and let that guide you. That guided me right up the mountain, not even thinking about anything else. And, and don't get me in Peru. If you fall off a mountain, you fall off a mountain. There's nobody to sue. They just sweep you up. You know, well, one didn't make it, you know, that's, there's no rails. There's no guardrails. You know, you're going up the mountain. Super and jealous of that, by the way. That's that's a, an amazing achievement. I've I've really wanted to go to Machu Picchu my entire life. It's awesome. Amazing. You just feel the energy in the land as soon as you get there. Incredible. Very high up though. The altitude, like it's you 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 it, you notice you're breathing heavier. You know, so <laughs> prepare. Bring all your uh, your. Uh, my my wife had all these. Uh, the stuff that you put in the water to, to help oxygenize you or whatever. I was drinking all that stuff. But beautiful place. Absolutely beautiful. So you just see like the psychedelics as part of the, the ego killer and just something to, if meditation and those things don't work for you, that that's just something you've tried to, to yeah. elevate that. 
Yeah, it worked very well for, for my wife. And like I said, I watched her go through the transformation. I helped her through that transformation. Um, I, I watched things that, you know, she, she developed. Uh, it was, it was a huge awakening for her. Now, maybe it would, I already kind of had mine, but by the time I met the psychedelic, but it could have done the same thing for me, but I watched it in her because, you know, she's my wife and I watched her very closely and I, and I also participated in the facilitation of bringing her through that because it came very naturally for me, uh, moving energy through a room and, you know, and, and moving it through a human body and, and moving stuff out and moving stuff in. Um, and you know, it's just, um, it, it's, it opens the mind, um, so that it can connect with places that it's never connected with before. Uh, I have a question about the the moving energy. So uh, I experience what they call synesthesia, uh, which is related to uh, sound and color. Uh, and I've, I've had that since I was a kid. I had a real trouble explaining to my friends when I was younger uh, of that phenomenon that I was experiencing where I kind of like felt uh, all of the, the frequency and light and sound uh, around me sort of like, and that's why like when I recorded, I don't know if Eric knows this or not, but like <laughs> when I record music and, and, uh, capture tones and microphones and stuff, it's like, literally I can see where it's flowing in rooms. Uh, but I don't like literally see that like visually, like it's not like in front of me, like a rainbow of color or whatever. It's just like, uh, like an understanding, a connection, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, totally. It's you. It's 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 not. You don't find this frustrating, do you? Do you find it annoying, or do you find it pleasant? I, I love that. Yeah. It, okay. It I, like I, just, like I wanted to make sure because yeah, what you <laughs> when on the other side you can hear light and you can see sound, so you're halfway there. You're you're doing what you're not even. We're not even evolved to do yet, and and I couldn't do that until I crossed over. And, 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 and coming back here, um, it's a very rare occasion that, that, that ever happens to me. So your, 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 your mind just may be more evolved in an everyday person. Well, it's not, not the way I see it, but like, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it does, you, it does make conversations sometimes harder. We're like, sometimes like a fan off in the, the background is the frequency of that is so much louder than like the person in front of me. And I just like, what? Like, I can't hear you speaking over that fucking fan. Like, <laughs> so it does have some drawbacks. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know enough about it, but I think that there's probably a way that, um, and I'm sure you've seen people to work on this, right. But there's probably a way to tune that in so that you can kind of pinpoint and, and zoom in on what it is that you want to zoom in and not the uh, outside, uh, stuff, you know, kind of like the law of attraction where we're, we focus on that item, you know, in that particular case, maybe just focusing on the voice and the, and the frequency of the person, not so much the voice, but the energy of the person. And that may push the fan in the back. I, I don't know if it would work, but I, it sounds possible. That makes sense that, uh, I'm going to definitely have to try something like that. It's, it works that way easily. Like the benefit is that when I try to like, uh, mix music, uh, that, that makes that part much, much more like, I, I feel very connected to that. 
Yeah. It's like it's part of me. Um, but yeah, the drawbacks are like, as I said, you're probably very creative, highly creative and very good at what you do. I would imagine. He's all right. <laughs> you could be anything. modest if you want. That's, he you wasn't know, that's okay. anything, so I thought yeah. I'd take a joke. I, I, I already know. Don't worry about it. I know already. I'm, I'm picking up on I'm yeah, picking up yeah. what he's putting down. Yeah. Joel also uh, <laughs> experienced an NDE in his life. I don't know if that changed anything for you, Joel, but if that was there before oh, you that did. or I did. So I did 19. you did, did that kick in afterwards? Um no, this was before that. Uh when I you first always had it. it. Yeah, it was listening to to music and then realizing that I was hearing things in the songs that I hadn't noticed before. Uh, it was like age 14 or something like that. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, um, I, I, I realize how it could be annoying at times, but I'm totally looking at the positive side of it. I see, Absolutely. Uh, that's what I try to roll with. So... <laughs> Somebody asked me, you know, the, the being at the end of the light, and I've seen that being many, many times throughout my, the course of my life because I've, I've been in situations where I should be dead technically, but excuse me, that being has always been present there and, and told me how to get out of the situation before uh, anything real bad happens. And somebody said, well, can you describe the voice? And I said, no, it's not, there's, it's not a voice. It's just like a, a transmission. And I said, the only thing I could tell you is it's blue. And I know that makes no sense whatsoever. It's a blue voice. I, I, I know that there's nothing that I could possibly say to make anyone understand that it's a blue voice. But here's what happened. And this is years later. Somebody told me, I didn't see this for myself yet. Somebody told me, and I got to look it up. Somebody said Joe Dispenza was on stage and he was talking about going into the quantum field and reaching the next level where the spirit guides are. Not, not the next level when we first die, but the level up, right? Where the real uh, guides and masters are. And he said, they sound blue. They are blue. They look blue. Something about that. And I was like, holy shit. He, he, somebody else saw this blue? I do have to ask though that now that you know you you're doing the medium um, stuff, does your wife still has her, have her own or does she just use you now? <laughs> it seems like a fair question, right? Like I just trust That's you, or great. does she? She, she uses me unfairly, and I say I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it, and then I do it. Uh, you know, she's the one person that can get me to do things I don't want to do. Um, I don't practice because I, I told you, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's very taxing on, on my emotions when, you know, somebody's passing through you, their, their energy's coming through and their emotions are coming with it. And it's usually the emotions that come are guilt, shame, uh, I'm sorry for this. I meant to tell, I always wanted to tell you this and you know, whatever it is, it's never, Hey, love you hugs. You know what I mean? It's just not what it is. And, and, and I had just, you know, awakened in the sense that I lost my negative emotions. Finally, I detached from that ego. And when you detach from the ego, um, you don't react. And if you don't react, you don't get angry. And you don't, and I'm not going to say I never experience anger because I might, but it'll last for minutes instead of hours or days. And I, you know, I think back and I'm like, wow, I carried grudges for like months. And that's so idiotic. Like all those months, I, I could have been manifesting money instead of worrying about somebody else and wishing them something terrible. Right. And, but we do this and now that's gone. 
I mean, it's just completely gone. Um, I might experience sadness, but it, then it's gone. I experience anger for a couple minutes and then it's gone. And I have to take that emotion from the deceased and give that to somebody else to get it right. And then it stays with me for hours. And I, it's, you can't just wash this stuff off. This is energy that's now, you know, uh, it's quantum entanglement, right? And it's their energy is commingling with my energy and we are now attached long after he leaves. So um, it takes hours before that comes out. And I would have to, you know, go into my bedroom and be alone and wait for it to go away because I don't want to accidentally yell at the kids or something, you know what I mean? Like, cause now I'm in a bad mood and, and I just, I don't practice for that reason. Well, I didn't know if it could be bad for your marriage either. If you had to carry, you know, that's like- can you imagine of all the people it's my father-in-law? Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> well, I imagine it feeling like a, an empathic come down also like when you take on somebody else's like energy, but you're literally taking on their energy on a completely different like level up uh, in that instance. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we're hanging out watching TV. You know that you got to allow them to enter in order to get the message correct. You've got to get everything. You've got to feel it. You've got to see it. You know, and it comes as it is. It comes in pictures. Uh, so I really respect mediums and what they do. Um, and obviously, I know many of them. And um, it's tough work. It's really hard work. And even my mentor can only do three people a day. He can only do three reads because it's just, it's too much. It's very, uh, it takes a while, you know, and he's, and he's a pro. So I respect. curious when you get, when, uh, like the exhaustion from, from doing that, how, how does that affect you? Like, how are you affected by that, that exhaustion? Well, I'm affected more when I do energy work from being exhausted than anything else. Um, if I'm doing energy work on someone and, um, it, it, depending on what it is, uh, there was one time, um, in the very, very beginning that I just wanted to see what I was capable of doing. And my wife and I were in, uh, in our backyard and she was very upset about something and she was crying and, you know, we were talking about it. And she kind of like bent over and, and was crying into her hands. And I, and I took my hand. I didn't say any, I didn't say I was going to do anything. I just said, let's see, you know, let's test the waters here. And I put my hand on her back right behind where her heart would be. And I took my other hand and I put it up, palm up. And I requested from anybody who was listening, I was anybody, her dad or, or uh, the, the, the God, the universal collective, anybody, my guides, just give me something to pass through, to give to her, give me something. And then it happened and it really happened. And, and, and I just stayed there and I was like, it was, you know, it's like, it feels like, I don't know how to, this is another thing I'm not going to be able to explain, but it's just going through me and while it's going through me i'm fine and 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 she goes from she's crying hysterically and starts to giggle and i'm and i'm shaking like my hand is shaking and her body's shaking and she starts laughing and laughing and laughing and then i just like oh and i just kind of like fell down and i was like this works and i was like holy shit she goes what did you do i said i'll tell you later right now i'm exhausted i just want to go to sleep but the energy work is really, really exhausting, really exhausting. That's what I found. And maybe it's just because I'm not a pro at it yet and I'm still learning my way with it, but um, I find that to be more exhausting than anything else. 
Like a like a mental fog or like how how does that no that's physical. Mm-hmm. That's straight up physical. The mental fatigue, yeah, that that would come more from mediumship, I think, because it's it's messing with my emotions and it's more mental than physical. But when you transfer energy from one to another, that's your body is is doing that. And and it's just you like afterwards I'm just spent. Uh, before you were considering yourself uh, an atheist, you went through like a lot of things that probably changed your mind. Where does that leave you today with what you would consider yourself? And the big question we always ask is like, so what is your take on what happens when you die? Uh, since you've technically died before, maybe not gone all the way, but what, from what you've learned, what do you think uh, happens? Um, okay, so um, yeah, the, uh, I can only tell you what I've seen, right? And I can only tell you what uh, my hypothesis is, right? So um, the first thing that, um, I thought of was where do we physically go, right? So we know that the first law of thermodynamic states that all energy, no new energy enters the universe and no energy can cease to exist, right? It's the first law of thermodynamics. So all energy becomes something else, becomes something else. Einstein E equals MC squared. There you go. So now if our consciousness is energy, which it is, that is emitted from our brain. Some would call it a spirit or soul. I'm calling it consciousness. Either way, it's energy, right? And when you die, it's going to leave you. So it has to go someplace. Where is it going? Um, and I don't think I'm any, you know, I'm not that smart. I, but I studied physics, right? And what they learned and what they tried to figure out is why the universe is expanding. Einstein's it was like technically the universe should come together and implode but it doesn't it goes it pushes out farther and farther and farther and his theory was that there's a dark energy that we can't see touch feel taste but it's there and it's pushing the universe and making it larger and making it wider and making it bigger and hubble proved it that he was right dark energy yeah so wouldn't it just make we have this dark energy it makes up 69 percent of the universe right? And we have this energy that leaves our body. We have no idea where it goes and we have no idea how dark energy comes into light and being, but we know there's more of it all the time because the earth is stretching out and stretching out and the density of it is always the same. So if the density is the same and yet we're expanding, we're putting more energy in there. Where is it coming from? Why not the conscious mind? Why not the conscious being of, of, of beings, of animals, of whatever, whatever's conscious, that energy has to go somewhere and we can't figure out where it goes. So I think the physical place, and that's why when we say, you know, people are dead, they're right here. They really are right here because dark energy is between you and me. It's between me and Jupiter. It's between me. You, you know what I mean? It's everywhere. So if that's the physical place, then I think there's different realms. And I only know of two right? Because you have the, the fourth, and I'm, I'm just using numbers that other people have used. I don't know what numbers, what I'm, we're calling this the third, um, you know, uh, realm or whatever, what have you. So therefore the next one's four. Okay. So that's the, that's the only reason I'm calling it fourth. And that's where you go when you die. And that's be, that's when I can still see people as people and they can communicate with me and they can give me messages. And I see them as the way they want me to see them. But in the fifth, 
this is where my guides are. Remember I said the guy at the end of the tunnel, I can't really figure out what he is. It's just lines. It's not a he or a she. It's, there's no human form. There's nothing whatsoever. It's just energy. It's just lines. And sometimes I see one. Sometimes I see a panel of three. Sometimes I see seven. And I've had different experiences with the different panels. And, but the, that they are in the next level. And the, there's a guy who explains it. I can't think of his name, but the way he explains it is we all want to get to five. But in order to get to five, you have to become enlightened. And that's when you don't have to come back here and repeat earth school. You know, that's a, it's like we come back we, until we get it right, until we become enlightened. And then when we're enlightened, we get to go there because now if we choose, we can guide and help other people, hence guides. So that is as much as I think I know. And I'm not certain about any of this. I'm just strictly telling you from my experiences and the things that I've seen and what I've kind of pieced together. So I feel, I feel all of that, uh, very heartfelt. Um, and I also have some theories of my, my own along with that expanding universe. Uh, mm. I feel, I feel like, um, so if you think of the universe expanding in this larger bubble, and then I think at some point it has to reach, you know, uh, critical mass. And then I think at that point it would implode and then go back through and bang out the other side and everything coming through a, just a large giant black hole in the center of the universe and then banging out the other side. Maybe that happens over and over in infinity forever. I mean, if you look at the mm. infinity symbol mm -hmm. uh, and think of the center point of the infinity symbol as where the bang is, then it makes mm. sense going back and forth, back and forth. You take that further and think of balance. Uh, if you draw a circle around it, it also gives you a yin and yang. <laughs> and I have it goes even further and further and all the connections that go along with a cellular division and, and everything. It connects with atoms and how... Very uh, our observance of them changes how they interact. Uh, and yeah, uh, coherence and, and decoherence. That's yeah, that's wild, man. Uh, that that's cool. I, I, you might you might be onto something right there. That's very good. That's <laughs> really good. It. I am. I'm trying to collect uh, more information about it with a friend of mine who uh, kind of presented the whole uh, implosion idea to me, and then I've gotten back in touch with them, and we're creating a an actual scientific uh, research article to submit to the community <laughs> over it. Yeah. Go for the Nobel. Who knows? You never know. I don't think a Nobel. You don't know. You know, one of us will get this right one day and we'll wind up getting it. You know, somebody eventually is going to break through. And like I said, bring science and spirituality together. And it's going to be a huge aha moment for everybody. Yeah, you know, and we're so close to to being able to do that, but both sides are just so stubborn and won't sit at a table together and you know, kind of like work it out. Well, you may be the, the beginning of that since you started with the spiritual, and then and then I kind of hope so. I, I I mean, I I I don't care if it's me. I just want it to happen. You know what I mean? Like I don't. It could be me or anybody. I don't care. But 
it should be recognized. And there's a couple of people at the forefront of that. Like Dean Radin is a great scientist who's right at the forefront of that. And, um, and I met another, uh, gentleman just the other day who is working on, um, I want to get this right. He's trying to, um, make it so you can see or find out every frequency of every cell in your body so that you can find an anomaly before you get sick, before you get cancer, before you get something, right? And I can't wait to speak to this guy again. And um, I want him to hook me up to every machine he has. <laughs> Just make me the test subject. Let's go. I'm in. Um, and uh, yeah, he explained it to me. We only had like a half hour together and I wish we, we had so much more, but um, he's on to something big. Really See, I've big. got like the uh, the Fitbit. I thought it would have been awesome if they would make it like just give me the chip, just just give me the chip. <laughs> tell me all about my blood. Tell me everything that's wrong yeah. inside of me. Like let's get the count going. Uh, yeah, just level two of that, you know. <laughs> and you know the one thing this this guy said. I was kidding around. I was like, keep it out of the hands of Zuckerberg, right? And he's like, it's free for everybody. This will be on, this will be done blockchain and it will be given away so that no one can ever own it. And I was like, that's, that's cool, amazing. dude. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So as far as, uh, if, if I wanted to, or I, I guess I know how to get a hold of you, but if anybody else wanted to get a hold of you, uh, like how do we, what's the best way to, uh, get into, get a hold of you, uh, get to your, your coaching and I guess, what does the coaching look like? Sure. Uh, so uh, I have a website that's raycatania.com. And if you go to that website, um, and you, you can either subscribe just to find out what's coming up next or what's going on, the book information, both books are up there. And uh, you can learn more about that, more about me. And then there's also a page where you is dedicated to coaching and you can learn more about uh, the different types of things that I work with people. I, I really work with people from all walks of life. I mean, I have college kids and then I have uh, people in their 40s, 50s and 60s. I mean, every age in the middle because everybody kind of is in a different place in their spiritual journey. And it really, it doesn't come down to male or female or or uh, any particular age, it's really where you are spiritually. And, um, and, and then, you know, if you're okay with learning a little bit of physics and, and, and with your spirituality, um, you know, it's just, uh, you watch, I can watch these people grow so fast because I just give them the tools and I, and I give it to them so they don't need me anymore. You know, it's, you're not going to, you're not going to be with me for three years or five years. I'd love it if you were, but you know, you won't because I'm going to give you the tools and you're going to be on your way and you're going to be growing and you're going to be writing your own books and you'll be doing your own thing. And, and, and that's awesome. That's really awesome. Do people come with you to you for, with things that they're trying to fix or is it just in general that they just want to be more spiritual? What is, what, what, what kind of people do little, you talk to? A little of both. I mean, I've, I've definitely helped. Um, I, I work with people with grief. Okay. Um, very, uh, seriously with people who have lost, um, family members or children um, and I help them you know deal with the grief and then I also help people that are at the top of their game um, they've got everything that you could possibly want in the world they've got you know a spouse and 2.2 kids and a home in the burbs and all the money that they need and a great career and they're miserable and they don't know why they have no idea what's wrong. I did everything I was and it's because somebody told you that was going to make you happy 
you know, that was, you went by someone else's perception of happiness and you took it on as your own, like I did with the heights. So there's all those different types and everything in the middle. I, I work with people who have PTSD, um, and, uh, a whole host of other things, anxiety. And it's never really the PTSD or the anxiety. There's something underlying there that we usually get to rather quickly and we, we, we move on onward and upward um, pretty, pretty quickly. Are these uh, like group sessions or one-on-one sessions? How do you, how do you interact? With so uh, no, they're one-on-one, they're one-on-one sessions. Um, and I do sometimes like I do uh, uh, something on Sunday where I'll host a class for an hour and I usually send that out to subscribers. So if you just put your email in, anywhere in the website for, to subscribe, you'll get an email stating when the next class will be. And then you can just jump on a class and I cover like one topic, like uh, last week, was um, manifestation, in fact. And we did the meditation together as a group and um, everybody seemed to really like it. So awesome. um, that'll let, that lets more people um, in, you know, uh, it, it's just, I can see like a hundred people on Zoom at one time. So, uh, and it, of course it becomes much less expensive. And if we didn't already give a shout out to the book, uh, You're Still ah. Alive, Now Act Like It. Uh, this book is really awesome on awakening your consciousness. My fiance is actually really, really enjoying this one currently. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you man. for saying that. That's awesome. I'm so happy. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank we'll you. share all the links. Uh, so I, I always mess this part up because I was like, I, I list, don't listen to podcasts, but we do one. Uh, but yeah, look, <laughs> there'll be links around this thing that you click to play this and you click on those links and uh, it will have links to your websites and, and to your, and to your books. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you uh, coming to talk to us today. Like I had, Thank I had you. a good time. Thank you guys. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Joel. I appreciate you very much. Thank you. There might be, there'll probably be a number two if you want to talk to us again. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. I mean, eventually there'll be a third book. Um, you know, it's going to be a little bit in the making, but uh, it'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. Cause I got plenty of more stories. <laughs> Nothing. This house just, uh, you know, is, is, is crazy to say the least. <laughs> And, you know, uh, it's just unbelievable that, you know, we wake up the next day and it's like, it's, it's, it's exciting, you know, to, to what's going to happen today. Like what's going to, what, whether it's weird or, or whatever, you know, it's just like, we, we find the good, we look for the good and, uh, there's always something really cool that happens. And, and I always write it down and I keep a journal and those journals, they become the books later on. So, um, that's really all it is is just what transpires and and it's really it's a fun life now it's a fun life i could say it's a fun life yeah you've escaped corporate america and you're finding finding to do finally getting to do what probably you were meant to do took 50 years anyway thanks again uh for hanging out with us we appreciate you uh coming on we'll have all your links and things uh around here so they can so they can uh get uh get to know you and uh, get to see what you have to offer uh again all that will be available and if uh you're listening and you like i have to say those things that like click subscribe and mash that like button i don't know i'm old i don't know what that stuff is (laughs) smash that like button but you should like it and if you have and we, we always say to people too it's like if you have a story uh that that you like to share that you know you've had some similar experiences we like talking to people you don't have to write a book or be like you know a, a shaman 
and have that <laughs> official medal around your neck to prove it. Uh, but we talk to people of all sorts. So even if you're just uh, somebody who's had an experience that you want to share and you're a listener, then uh, come join us. That'll be fun. So thanks again, Ray. Uh, and we'll Thank be you. Thank right. you. And we'll have to do it again. Thank you, Ray. I will. Definitely. Right. I love that. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.